He somehow got Andrew Bogut. He drafted Clay Thompson and Steph Curry. Larry Riley is sitting alongside. That's not a bad little, you know, little run there, Larry. That's uh, those those people probably don't talk to you anymore. Well, no, that's not necessarily true, but we're certainly happy with the results there. And the thing that we like is that it, those kinds of things help set things up for the future. And uh, I, I think the whole organization is really excited about the coming season. And, of course, we're very excited about today's draft because that's where we get to add to what we already have. I think it puts us in a good position. Well, I think with the Warriors, Bob Myers being the GM and you staying as director of scouting with Travis Schlang, Jerry West, Kirk Lakeup, I mean, there's a lot of really smart people, and the process, I think, has improved dramatically, which is why the decision has been good. When you look at this draft... I like talking to you because you have that scouting background. You get eyes on somebody, and you told me, hey, Steph Curry, other than Blake Griffin, that was the guy I wanted. Now, you had the seventh pick, but you still got the guy you wanted. Clay Thompson's taken 11th. He finished fourth in the you know, the all-rookie balloting. So, again, value there. Give me a, a, just a sense of this draft. We're hearing, hey, there's 20, 30 guys that are pretty good, that having multiple picks, this is a good draft for that because there's a lot of talent. You've seen a bunch of drafts. I mean, tell us about this draft. There's one, maybe two superstars in this draft. The rest of it uh, comes down to players who will play in this league for a long time. That's why people use the term deep draft. It's not deep in superstars, uh, but it's deep in college players who can play in the NBA. And that that's where that kind of depth comes from. Um, there are probably eight or ten who are going to step in and play a significant role with teams as rookies. And that's that's a pretty good number. It really is. Now, yes, you get rookies who get drafted by, in theory, the worst team in the league, and so they're automatically going to play. But there are going to be some players in this draft who go to fairly good teams that are going to find their way into playing time and being significant players. Are they superstars, as I said before? No. Uh, everybody recognizes Anthony Davis, and everybody sees that. The question is, you know, who's going to be the next guy that may be a superstar, and what's going to happen then with those people who are picked from, say, uh, even 2 through 10? And then who's going to emerge somewhere at 18 or 34 or something that everybody's going to look back and say, we should have picked this guy? And I've heard you say numbers of times, you you take two or three years and then evaluate the draft and see where it goes. That's really the truth. Uh, it does take that long, except there are just a few who undoubtedly emerge, and you, you know they're good players. But overall, it takes a period of time to evaluate how effective you were with your draft process. How do you guys prepare for things that you can't control, like movement in front of you, Uh, team swapping picks things of that nature or do you have an understanding as to what could happen and you have contingency plans for all of those you have that right rod there's a contingency plan in place for uh, just uh, maybe there are five plans in place as to okay this is what happens in plan one so this is who we take something else happens in plan two and so that affects you and you take somebody else and that goes right on down the line Bob has done a good job of working all those angles. Thanks, thanks, Larry. I appreciate it. Oh, <laughs> yeah. well, Bob My works all the angles. Oh, Both Mark. Bobs work the angles. <laughs> <laughs> and so we're we're set for what the different things are that could happen going into this draft. Um, at seven, I suppose you could say there might be six scenarios that, that right. can take place. Well, I know you're going to hang with us for the next segment, but just just as a little teaser. 
Do you get a sense that this draft there's more, because teams have multiple picks, that stuff's on the market even more than normal? You know, Houston's sitting there with three picks, and they've been very active in the last couple days. Portland's got a couple picks. The Warriors have four picks. That, you know, yeah, there's always, hey, we're interested in a trade, but this year more than ever it seems like there's six, seven teams like, if you do this, we'll make this pick. And that, you know, is that is that fair to say the 2012 draft or it's not? It's fair to say that there's much more chatter. Okay. How much uh, legitimacy there is to that chatter is what will be determined when we start the draft. Okay. And I, I doubt when it's over that there will be more than usual. Uh, Houston made a lot of noise with all of the things that they were trying to accomplish and then accomplishing some things that, you know, that they did get done. But uh, I think when the draft's over, this is going to be somewhat of a normal draft in regards to movement. There's always the player who puts on a cap and and says, oh, boy, I love being with this team. <laughs> <laughs> and then sometime later he finds out, hey, i got to put on another cap. Uh, there will be some of that. But I don't think a, a tremendous amount. I think there's a lot of noise, and I think that there are a lot of players um, who are going to be picked just about where you would think they might go. I, I love the fact that Larry used a CIA electronic monitoring term. There's a lot of chatter out there in the draft right now. I mean, we have gone to all technology to figure out what's going on here. But Larry Riley, the director of scouting, the GM who acquired the four best players on this team, and Curry, Clay Thompson, Lee, and Bogut is hanging out with us at the Warrior facility. We'll continue with Larry and start asking about specific players, just guys he's seen and his thoughts maybe on different guys and their talent level and how they may project into the NBA as we continue on the Fitz and Brooks Show on the Sports Leader. Larry Riley, director of scouting for the Warriors and, and part of – you know, Larry, you run drafts as the GM. When you have Bob Myers and Jerry West and Joe Lacob and yourself and Kirk Lacob and Travis Schlenk, give a fan an idea of you have all the scouts' input. In your case, you've had eyes on guys. Bob did the same. How, how does a pick get made? T- tell us how that happens. Well, as you can imagine, there are a lot of voices and uh, a lot of experience. So uh, sit there and listen to the other guy. Sometimes it's more important to be a good listener than anything else. And uh, with the situation where we have the people you just mentioned, which is our front office staff, we also have other scouts, Larry Harris, Lee Mayberry, and uh, Speedy Claxton. Uh, We have a European scout. You probably know Costa. And so there are a lot of people in the room, so it requires that everyone listen intently. And sometimes you got two and three people talking at once, <laughs> and and then sounds like our show. <laughs> yeah, and you get into uh, you get into uh, a discussion which is a little bit volatile. Then you get a lot of voices going on, but eventually things get worked out, and you listen. Uh, in my case, for example, I'm more about the eye test. If you rank what should be done and all the ingredients that go into drafting a player. First thing for me is go to the game, see the guy, and and not you're not going to watch him on television. <laughs> go to the game, make sure you're there, and get there as often as you can. Well, that, let's stop there. Steph Curry, you saw him how many times in person? Just twice. Okay. I, that one was one I didn't see him a lot, but our staff saw him a lot. Okay. And there's a lot to that, and um, I, I was satisfied after seeing him twice, and. Um, I made it a point to pick which game I would see. The game I really wanted to see was he was playing in Indianapolis 
against Purdue. And I wanted to see that game because Purdue throws everything at you defensively. And they're physical. The uh, the Big Ten fouls more than the NBA. <laughs> yeah, they do. It's it's, uh, it's sometimes it's, harder. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a wrestling match. Okay. And uh, see, in the NBA, we have that hand checking rule, and right. I'm telling you what, in the Big Ten, they just knock the sap out of each other. Interesting. Around so the you, best. So you you saw his schedule and said, hey, that this would be a good game to That's, check. I want to see how he responds to that. Okay. I didn't expect Davidson to win the game, and they didn't. But I wanted to see how he would stand up to that kind of a okay, thing. Okay, so, so every, the, I rudely interrupt you, but the eye yeah. test and keep going then as far yeah, as. Yeah, well, so you, you do that and you have your scouts seeing all kinds of games, and that's important. Uh, the second thing to me is statistics. The numbers get into play. And uh, you evaluate the numbers. You, you use those to uncover anything that you can possibly uncover. And basically, when all of that's done, then you're going to do a rating based on the eye test and the numbers. And then when that's done, there are often psychological examinations that are done, and you get into the workouts that are held here in Oakland. It isn't always possible to get everybody in for a workout, and so sometimes you forego that. If you do get a player in for a workout, I tend to want to look at who he worked out against what the conditions were. Is this his third workout in three days? (laughs) Um, Did he travel from the East Coast? Is there a reason maybe he didn't succeed? Or is there a reason this guy came in and just killed everybody and shouldn't have been able to do that? And so, to me, the workouts are the lowest issue on the totem pole. But that's because I go see players. I go see them. The workouts are... The only thing the players have, along with what you would consider to be going on whatever station you use on Synergy, whatever, to see these guys play. I don't like highlight films. Um, We do this. We will put together footage of players and so on. I would rather sit and watch a game because you get a better feel for the game itself. And uh, you uh, you can log on to different websites, and you can get every, some guy. I, I don't care who it is. You can get all of Harrison Barnes' 17-foot jump shots and sit there and watch them. Okay. All right. That's okay. Maybe that helps some. You could find Andre Drummond's made free throws. All <laughs> <laughs> so, so those kinds of things uh, all go into the mix. And without question the background checks get to be pretty important to us Um, and it's not to say that you wouldn't draft a player who has a problem that's been identified but you want to know that you've got a way to deal with the problem or that the problem exists and you have at least got a plan to approach it to make sure that the young man that you just drafted has his best chance to succeed that's our job and uh, you have to decide could you absorb somebody with problems? Now, the easy way out is just don't draft anybody that's ever had a problem. <laughs> but most of us go through our life at one point or another. We probably did something we wish we hadn't have done or said something we wish we hadn't have said. And in today's world, with the advent of the social media, some small mistake sometimes just becomes huge. And maybe it isn't real, and you have to determine that. I always think of the draft of Paul Pierce. You know, he slid all the way to 10, and it was, oh, there's something going on. Yeah, there's something going on. He's going to the Hall of Fame. That's what's going on with him. There's no doubt. He was – we took Mike Bibby at number two, and the next guy for us was Paul Pierce, and we went the other way. 
uh, not so much because of the other stuff, but I just thought Mike Bibby was going to be a really good point guard. In hindsight, <laughs> you know, yeah, but both Bib- of them are good. But see here, I'm going to stop you on this, though. A Bibby-Paul Pierce thing, both guys had careers and lasted. I think the draft is, you know, you can go back 10 years later and say, well, this guy should have gone third, this guy should have gone eighth. It's the when you have a top 10, top 12, and the guy ends up being a zero. That's what kills teams. Absolutely. Not, not, not that, oh, well, we didn't get the seventh guy instead of the eighth. Those guys both had careers. Mike Bibby played great years for Sacramento and was a factor. It's when you have a seventh pick. You've got to get a player. I mean, the guy's got to—he's got to play in the league for a long time. That—that's what you got to do. Absolutely, and it's—I mean, we all know that Paul Pierce is going to the Hall of Fame. He's got rings, and he's had a great career. Uh, Bibby had a great career, so you're fine with that kind of stuff. And uh, I thought when uh, Bibby was at Sacramento, there were about six years that he was awfully dog very good, good. and. Uh, so it's a situation, though, when I'm talking about this, when we passed on Paul Pierce and took Bibby, I thought, okay, Paul goes third or fourth. Okay, three, no, four, no, five, no. And all of a sudden, right. wow, uh, he takes a slide. Uh, somebody will slide in this draft. I don't know who it is. Probably won't be one of those people that you would consider in the top five. But there's somebody maybe that's around eight, nine, ten, or 11 that all of a sudden may end up at 20. Tell us about uh – Deion Waiters in that, you know, Bradley Beal, Harrison Barnes, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, Anthony Davis. I mean, a lot of these names are known. Waiters is coming on like a freight train in terms of draft evaluation. People, oh, he reminds me of Dwayne Wade. And he scored 12 points a game. He's not a great outside shooter, but he sure drives the bucket. Um, You saw him. You know, you've scouted him. I mean, a little thumbnail on, on Deion Waiters. He's got tremendous presence. He's not scared of anything. <laughs> He'll stick his head in a buzzsaw and and not think twice about it. So he's it. not real smart. <laughs> well, no. you know what? That's the other thing. <laughs> he, this guy will run through a brick wall. I want the guy who's going to run around the wall. <laughs> that's what they used. To, that's what they used to tell us in Indiana in phys ed class. They're going to, everybody's going to run through the w- woods, but run around the trees. Yeah. You know, and Be if specific. you did, yeah, and if you didn't run around the trees. You played football, and, <laughs> and, and and if you ran around the trees, you played basketball. <laughs> Personality but, test. But, yeah. but, no, he's a pretty sharp player. Um, it, it's interesting. It does translate often that if you're an intelligent person in the classroom, you have basketball sense as well. But sometimes guys don't have classroom skills, and they're pretty darn smart basketball players. And Waiters has an elect for the game. I think the reason he's rising is everybody appreciates his toughness. He's one of those players who can get to the basket. And and, we're just coming off the playoffs where there are two important things. How often can you get to the basket? And can you run the pick and roll? Mm-hmm. And those things are priorities in the NBA, and and Waiters is one of the guys that can do that. Now, he's not the only one, and, and I think he'll become a better shooter. He has good strength, so he's strong enough that he can stretch out his range and, and be effective. Uh, everybody's going to criticize the fact that he played Syracuse and they played 2-3 zone, and nobody knows if he can guard. Uh, you can catch him in isolated instances where he is stuck on a certain player, and it does a reasonably good job. It's still his own, and so there are some questions about that. But um, he's uh, he's climbing quickly. Um, he and Beal are pretty comparable in terms of stature and the way they play. Uh, Beal might be a little bit quicker, 
uh, you know, it, it's one of those things. Sometimes beauty's in the eyes of the beholder when you get between those two guys. I would imagine that if it runs two to form, that Beal gets picked ahead of Waiters. Okay. Larry, we know you're busy today. It means a lot to us that you'd come by and, and stop in. Uh, best of luck. I think the process has been really good the last couple of years. You're a big part of that. You know, Rod is, is hit on. There's a lot of options for the Warriors, which is also good. You know, these, these picks get accumulated because you're thinking, you know, near and long term. They don't just, oh, hey, we got four picks. How'd that happen? Well, you, you were a part of that, too. So uh, it, thanks for stopping by. Well, I appreciate it. And this will be an interesting night. We're, yeah. we're going to enjoy it. And there are more picks than usual. <laughs> that's, that's one thing. And so there are more possibilities as to what to do with those picks. It's going to be a volatile and busy night. And there may be some things happen on the clock with a lot of teams. We'll see how that goes. Would Rod get selected at 6'8 out of LSU? I mean, is that, I know you've seen everybody who's ever picked up a basketball. Does he have an ability to be picked or not? Did you say LSU? What is the history of LSU players? Oh, there we go. Other than Shaq. <laughs> See, he could be the next Stromile Swift. What are you well, talking about? Or he, if he was about this high, he could be a guy Chris named Jackson. Raouf. Yeah, you know? that's true. There have been a couple good ones. Couple. That, that, that Shaquille guy, he lasted yeah. for a while, too. Brandon yeah. Bass right now is holding the flag. I'll, I'll go with Brandon Bass. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Thank Larry. You. That is Larry Riley stopping by. We're at the Warrior facility.